Welcome to the Business Presenting Podcast, where we talk through the art and the science of business presenting with Tim Calkins. Tim's a professor at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management and author of the recently published business presenting book, How to Wash a Chicken. On this podcast, we're unpacking some of the key themes from that book. I'm Abe Lovetkin. And Tim, one of the themes in your book is the importance of supporting any argument with compelling data. Well, it is so important to remember that a great presentation is really built on data and on information. Now, and, and with this, it, it takes a bit of a transition, I think, for, for some people because, you know, we grow up and all our lives as we grow up, we are told that our opinions are so valuable and our impressions are significant and we're encouraged to share our perspectives. And, and then at some point in life, though, you get to that point when when you realize that that your opinion really isn't that important after all. And and for many people, this is when you join a company, because you join a company all young and enthusiastic, and you've got such great ideas to share. And then very quickly you realize, though, that at a company you are uh, the the youngest, the most inexperienced, the most junior person, and your opinions, your perspective, just aren't very important. You know, the the people around you have been around longer. They're more important. They've had more experience. So what you think and what you believe just isn't that important. It's not going to carry much weight. What you then realize is that what is important is not what you think. What's important is what does the data tell you? What do the numbers tell you? What are the facts that you have? As, you know, Bernardo uh, Heese, the CEO of Kraft Heinz, says, he said, you know, I don't think anything. Uh, just show me the data. And there's something there that it really is about the information. It's about the data. It's about the facts. And so as you build a great presentation, ultimately, when you're putting it together, you've got to make sure you've got great facts that back it up. That's what a great presentation is really built on. In the book, you talk about ways of classifying information to understand if you're working with the right stuff. And you talk about three types of information. Well, yeah, there's three things. Uh, one is, you know, your strong support points. And these are the pieces of information that are really important. They are factual statements. Uh, they are solid. They are specific all of these things back up your recommendation. They make it more credible. They make it more uh, convincing. Uh, in, in most cases, the information will also be grounded in, in sources of information that your audience understands and believes in. So it's going to be numbers that they can hang on to, information that is credible, that's relatable. And that's the heart of a presentation. And that's really the first type of thing. That's what we're looking for as we build our presentations. We want to include those things. Then the second bucket of things are, are just the irrelevant uh, pieces of information. And there are so many of these in the world today because we have so much information. But very often, you know, there'll be so much data that really isn't relevant to the, to the question at hand. It may be factually true, and I don't doubt that. But it's not significant. It doesn't really fit into the argument of your presentation. Those types of information, those pieces of data, you really want to do everything you can to get them out of the presentation because they will just make the presentation clunky. It'll hold everything up. It'll 
make it hard to follow for your audience, the irrelevant points you want to prune out of your presentation really as much as you can. And then there's the third kind of information, which is maybe the scariest type. And that's the information that is is actually a dangerous piece of information. And it's dangerous because as the presenter or as the person who created the document, it actually can hurt your argument. It can hurt your credibility. So, for example, you're presenting a presentation, you're making a point, you provide a piece of data, but then somebody from the audience says, wait a second, that looks wrong. Or wait a second, what's the source of that data? Or wait a second, you're using a, a, a wrong piece of information there. Those are things that you've got to be alert for. And if you have them in your presentation, you want to be really careful to get them out of there because they won't just clutter up your presentation. They will really hurt your analysis. They'll hurt your credibility. Are there some common ways that those latter two types make their ways into presentations? I think for sure. The irrelevant information, you know, that is, I think, the the problem with so many presentations right now is that there's so much data, there's so much information. The reason all this stuff ends up in a, in a presentation, well, you go back to how people tend to build a presentation. You know, what they do is they gather up all the relevant information and then they have all of this information, all of this data, but none of it is really essential to the argument at hand. So partly what happens with the irrelevant piece of information is we just have access to so much. It also, it's so tempting to put it in there because we have all this information. You can get on your computer, you can pull these wonderful charts and wonderful graphs, and you're like, wow, look at that. You know, there's a a a graph showing the number of dogs in France over time, and that's so neat, you know, and I really should put that in the presentation. But the number of dogs in France probably has nothing to do with your presentation at all. You're still tempted to put it in, though, because it's interesting, it's true, it's factual, it's like, yeah, that's so neat, you know? But that that's where those things come from. Uh, the dangerous piece of information, I think those come from, I think, two things. Number one, a uh, a desperate search to back up an argument. So sometimes what happens is you want to make a point in a, in a particular presentation, but you don't have the data to really make the point. And start, so you start reaching and you start grasping for information that maybe supports it, but you've got to lean into it. You've got to be creative with your sources. Be careful when you start doing that because, you know, what happens there is you can do much more harm than good when you get into the into the process. The other piece that happens is now we have access to so much incredible statistical horsepower and you know uh, information that it's very tempting to include some of these advanced things, some of these fancy regressions, multivariant regressions, all these complicated things. And it's very tempting to put all this in there, partly because you feel like it is so impactful and so credible and you can really put in a fancy formula that's going to be really good. The problem is it becomes a dangerous piece of information because when you reach for that advanced analytic technique, unless you really understand it, it's a dangerous piece of information. If somebody starts asking you about it and they start asking you about all the other questions about it and how do you calculate it and what's the deviation and the variation and you're like, I don't know any of that stuff. 
And what happens is it all ends up hurting you at the end of the day more than it helps you. On that thread, as people think about the simplicity or the complexity of the data that they're presenting, there are, it seems, harms and benefits to either one, depending on the situation. How do you advise people think through that? Generally speaking, my I always advise people to be as simple as you can when it comes to your analysis and it comes to your data. So, for example, you know, in the, in the book, I, I use this uh, sort of comparison. You know, I could tell you, you know, 100 plus 21 is 121. And you'll be like, okay, I get it. Or I could tell you, you know, I built a model and I call it the TC model. And the TC model tells me the answer is 121. Well, in, in the first case, you can follow that. We're, you're not going to disagree. Yes, it is 121. In the second case, I just made it really complicated. I invented this model. You've just got to believe me about the model, or I've got to go explain the model. But what happened there is I all of a sudden made the calculation, made the analysis much more complicated than it than it needed to be. And when I do that, what happens, it's more difficult for my audience. It is harder for them to follow. And it's also, in the end, much less convincing because it just requires a bit of a leap of faith to follow it, to understand it, to believe in it. And speaking of understanding your data, you alluded to this earlier, but I think it's worth uh, talking about for a little bit longer here because uh, it is so important when you present data to know not just the analysis side of things, but also to know the data points themselves. If, for example, you're presenting financial information, let's unpack that a little bit. Well, you really like to know your data points in, in a presentation. And one of the things that makes a piece of information really convincing is if you really know what that piece of information is. And again, this is something that if you don't really think about it, uh, you don't quite understand the point, I think. So here's the example. Let's say you know, you're know you looking at the information on the business and you find that you have a market share of 21%. And so you say, great, I have a market share of 21%. But in reality, you don't really understand that number particularly well yet. Before I can say 21% and really understand the data, I've got to ask myself, what am I really looking at there? Is that a dollar share or is that a unit share? And what's the geography that we're measuring? And what's the source of the information? And does that include the 53rd week or not? And what channels are included in that piece of information? And how does it compare to last year's market share anyway? So what happens when you get into a presentation then, if you really know your number and you know your data, you know where it came from, then if you get a question about it, you'll be ready to go. If you get a question about that market share information and you really know it, you're like, well, sure, let me tell you where that data came from and here's what's in it and here's what it means and here's how it compares to last year. And then your audience says, wow, my gosh, you really do know that piece of number. You really know this business. You really know this recommendation. It becomes very credible and very impactful. On the other hand, if you don't really know all of the dynamics of this piece of data, when you do get questions, you'll stumble. Somebody asks you, is that dollar share or unit share? And you'll be like, hmm, I don't know. It's one of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll check and, and I'll get back. You can always pull the ripcord. You know, I'll, I'll check. I'll get back to you after the meeting. Every time you've got to do that, it damages your credibility a little bit. That's why when you really get into the data, you want to understand it, you want to work with it, you want to figure out where it came from. And if you do that, it makes your argument really compelling. 
So getting the data points correct and getting them displayed and relayed in a clear way, that's one side of this. The other element to it is wrapping that data around compelling stories or inserting stories into the data. How do you think about story when it comes to data? Well, you know, there's really two things that you have to work with when you're making your argument. One are the the pieces of information. And the the more solid they are, by the way, the stronger it's going to be. And, and let me just throw in two other notes on the information while we're, while we're chatting about it. One is, as you put together your argument and your presentation, you want to make sure that you're using credible sources for your data. You know, for example, if I quote, you know, the New England Journal of Medicine on a particular study, that's a pretty darn credible source. And and if I say that's where my number came from, people are going to say, all right, I'll believe that number. If if I say, uh, you know, I, I, I found this number somewhere on the internet, well, well, that's not a very credible source at all, because where in the world did you find it on the internet? That could be a Russian hacker or something for all we know. Or, or even worse, you're like, well, I talked to Bob and uh, Bob down to the loading dock, and he said that was the number. And you know, now that's really not a very credible source. That actually makes you look sort of questionable. So when you look at your data, you want to make sure you're using a source for the data that people around your organization, they trust, they tend to believe in. And in any company, there are places and sources of data that are generally accepted as sort of true and real. The other thing on the on the data is that you always are very wise to include uh, the source, a reference on the page. So if you're going to put in a specific piece of information, it's very useful to at the bottom of the page to put down exactly where that came from, what's the source, and that makes it more credible. It also is easier for you. Because if you've got to go back and track down that piece of information, you know exactly where it came from. Everybody can track it down if they want to. It makes it really compelling. But but the facts and the data, that's one side of it. Uh, the other piece we have, though, is we have stories. And stories bring a presentation to life. And so you can tell somebody, here's a lot of data and here's a lot of facts. Very often, though, it will be most powerful if you surround the fact with a story. So there's a huge role for stories within a, a presentation to help bring things uh, to life. You know, one of the cases I teach at Kellogg is a case about uh, sepsis. And sepsis is this terrible disease. And, you know, you can tell people about sepsis and you can explain all about the mortality and how terrible it is. But what I find is I can tell people all the facts about sepsis, but the whole thing doesn't really come to life for them until I tell them a story about a Kellogg student who became septic and ended up in the hospital for a month and almost didn't survive, but you know, incredibly managed to come back from being very near death. And, and when you tell the story, then all of a sudden the numbers become much more alive and the whole thing becomes more credible. You know, it's when you're presenting, you're not presenting to a computer. Uh, you know, that's not what we're doing here. We're presenting to people. And people are motivated in part by the numbers, but in part by the stories we use around the numbers. So as you're assembling your argument, it's useful to think about both of those things. There are times where little stories can bring the numbers to life and make things much more uh, dramatic. So as you put together the presentation, you always want to be thinking about, is there a story I could tell? at this point in the presentation that maybe would bring this to life. And depending on the audience, that can be everything from an anecdote 
to even perhaps a quote, something to inject an element of humanity into the content. Absolutely. There's a whole variety of ways you can do this. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, and partly the power in these stories is that they're so engaging. Uh, you know, Craig Wartman, uh, he's a colleague of mine at, at Kellogg. And as he says, you know, in, in the very act of telling a story, we can't help but engage people. And that's what you want your stories to do. You want your stories to help make your presentation more engaging, uh, more interesting. Um, Generally speaking, uh, you know, you, you, there's so many sources of these stories. You know, they could be everything from an experience that you had doing a market visit. They could be about a time you were meeting with a sales rep. They could be a, an experience you had when purchasing a competitor's product. They could be any number of different things. Generally, though, they're going to work better if they're your stories. So a story is always better if you say, let me tell you about the time when you know, I ran out of gas on the highway and it was a total fiasco and I was late to the meeting and people are like, wow, I want to hear that story. It's less interesting if you say, let me tell you the time when someone I knew ran out of gas. Because there, it's not really your story, you're sort of retelling it. Now you can do that, you can do it. It's better if it's going to be your own story though. So if someone is trying to integrate story into a presentation, is there risk of having too many stories? Well, you really want to think about the balance between data and stories. Partly this will come from understanding your audience. You go way back to what we talked about a couple episodes ago in this podcast and the whole idea of understanding who you're talking to. Some people really love data and facts, right? You know, uh, uh, Bernardo, he's at, at Kraft Heinz, you know, he, you know, opinions don't matter, facts do. And if you're presenting to someone like that, you're going to lean more heavily on the facts than maybe you will on the stories. I would still bring in an occasional story to make your presentation more engaging, more graspable. But but there you'd want to be sure, let's make sure we get to the facts. Other times you'll be presenting people who maybe are less uh, inspired by the, by the data and the facts, and they might lean more on the stories and the things that you add to sort of bring it all to life. So ultimately, I would, you know, look at your audience and think about your audience. But remember that it's the combination of the two that really is the magic. When you can show someone, here's the data, and then you turn around and you bring it to life with a story. There's something in that that is a very powerful uh, combination. And one of the things that great speakers tend to do is they tend to do exactly that. They balance the facts, these hardcore facts that are rock solid, that are the foundation of the presentation. And then they build on that with these really engaging, interesting stories that, you know, bring it, bring it to life. You know, you may say, for example, the facts say that, you know, 32% of farmers choose between these two types of, of equipment. Right. And then you tell the story about how you were at a dealership and you were talking to a farmer who was trying to debate between this and that. And then you take the fact and you dramatize it and you and you bring it to life. And I think it is true. If you look at some great speakers, they do this all the time. 
right? Like, like you look at Joel Osteen. He's a he's a he's quite a, a a speaker, quite a preacher. And what he does though, all the time, is he's telling these little stories. He'll have a he'll have a point, and then he'll have a story, and then he'll have another story. He'll go back to the point, have another story. It's what makes it interesting and engaging in a presentation. That's how you keep people awake to some degree, balancing these two things. Ultimately, though, you've got to remember that you want to make sure the foundations, those facts are rock solid. I, I don't think stories substitute for the facts. You've got to make sure the data is backing up your argument. Once you have that, though, then you can take this presentation and, and interplay these stories to make it engaging as you go along. Well, in our next episode, we're going to continue this conversation with a discussion of pre-selling content in an organization. Until then, though, Tim, it has been great talking with you. And let's remind people how they can get in touch with you to ask a question and maybe ask a question that we'll answer here on the podcast. Well, there's three different uh, ways. Uh, one is on Twitter at Timothy Calkins, or you can visit one of two websites, uh, timcalkins.com or howtowashachicken.com. 